Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Okie Show Show. How's it going, guys? I'm Brian, and I'm here with uh, the production assistant extraordinaire, Caitlin Shelby. How's it going? It's going good. It's cold, but it's good. It is. It's not nearly as cold as it's been. It's true. It's, it's praise be that it's not that cold. Right. My, I really love Handmaiden's Tale. Yeah, my nethers have not, like, gone inside myself to hide. Yeah, but I am wearing, like, leggings and then pants and then a t-shirt and then a sweatshirt and then a hoodie and then a jean jacket. So that tells you where I'm at. So tell me, whenever you went to film school, were you, were you thinking that the dream job, someday I'm going to get to freeze my ass off? That was my only goal, so here we are. So mission accomplished. Yeah, mission, mission accomplished. You're living the dream. Yeah, <laughs> amen. <laughs> Well, guys, today's episode is brought to you by NGPFilm.com, and uh, oh, Caitlin's going to tell us a little bit about uh, NGPFilm.com. Yeah, guys. So the best thing about NGP is that they have a large rental inventory, totally high-end, industry-standard film equipment. The staff is super friendly, super professional, and they have a wide range of film knowledge and experience. But the coolest thing is that they're willing to go above and beyond to help you make your project, no matter what the size. Super indie, super big Star Wars movie, whatever it is, they can do it. It could be the big Star Wars movie, or it could be like The Room. Oh, The Room. Yeah, yeah like The Room. It could be just like The Room. I, I can't do his voice. Oh, yeah, he goes... I can't do it either. Now you just messed me up. I didn't hit her. It's not true. I didn't hit her. Oh, hey, Mark. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. Oh, hey, Mark. (laughs) I know I just said that, but that's my favorite. I'm so excited to go see the disaster artist in theaters. It's going to be great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think it's December 6th, and I will be there. We're not sponsored by disaster. No, we're not. We're not. Maybe Tommy Wiseau will (laughs) throw us some money. I've been reading the book, and it's really good. Yeah. Hey, go see disaster artists. (laughs) So in the meantime, uh, we just got to say a shout out to, thank you to Billy Gilliland. I've never heard that last name before. That's, that's a, weird. That's a weird, it's a weird last, last name. name. But thank you for your monthly donation. He is our brand new patron on Patreon. And he's, this, the guy is giving a hundred bucks a month. That's so nice. I'm not giving a hundred bucks a month, so. Why not, Caitlin? I don't have a hundred bucks a month. <laughs> Well, if you, dear listener, feel like donating uh, monthly to help us get some sketches and these episodes up and running and, uh, you know, just making stuff get better and better, you can go to patreon.com slash okishowshow, and you could be like Mr. Billy Gilliland, who's making his monthly donation of 100 bucks. I don't expect anybody to make that, to give that much. That's awesome. And that's like an insane amount. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Don't give us your money. Or or give us your money. It's cool. <laughs> oh, go see Disaster Artist. Go see disaster Artist. <laughs> but uh, you could be like Billy, or in my case, Dad, uh, and you could be taking home an original prop from one of our sketches. You could be featured in a future comedy sketch, which he will be now. And uh, you can also have access to the Super Secret Podcast and behind-the-scenes features. And do you listen to the Super Secret Podcast? I didn't know there was a Super Secret Podcast. By name, it's Super Secret. It's Super Secret, but if you were a patron on Patreon, you well, could listen. Well, now I have to be a patron on Patreon. And that's pretty much, if it doesn't matter how much you give, you will get access, to, you will get access, you will get access <laughs> to the Super Secret Podcast. Wow, I have to do it now, There's don't so I? much podcast <laughs> so action much happening. Podcasting. It's going to be amazeballs. Hey, Caitlin, did you know that Okie Show Show just came out with its first brand spanking new comedy sketch? No, wait, tell me about it, Brian. It's freaking amazeballs. What's it called? It's called Dad Joke. No way. Ah, totally way. Where can I watch this? You could go on YouTube and look up Dad Joke or the Okie Show Show, and I guarantee you, by golly, this thing's going to show up. I'm going to laugh? And you might cry. What? (laughs) 
But yeah, no, we totally uh, got to release our brand new original Halloween special uh, comedy sketch called Dad Joke, and it was super fun. And I got to send a shout out to Noah Copeland, our composer, who kind of saved the day. Have you listened to the music on the thing? Yeah, it's pretty great. It's super good. And the dude, I don't, okay, if you listen, whenever there is a dad joke told, there is a rim shot built into the score. Horrible dad joke, and then badunt chink. It's, it's pretty great, And guys. it's cinematic and beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So y'all should go and listen to, da- listen to, listen to the music of Dad Joke. Watch the movie later, but listen to the music first. Go watch it now! Well, guys, today's episode features filmmakers Brian Laws and Nick Dillard. Now, both of these guys, you may recognize them and some of their work if you go to Life Church. Uh, they are predominantly kind of in the faith-based filmmaking world, but what we're going to be talking about on today's episode is bridging the gap between faith-based and secular because they came out with a short film that was featured in Dead Center Film Festival this last year called Tempo. And I saw it, and it's effing amazing. I haven't seen it, but I believe you. What? You haven't seen anything. You're not a patron. Why are you here? Go see Disaster Artist. (laughs) So, um... Uh, we're, I'm, I'm going to pretend like there wasn't a weird technical glitch because there was a weird technical glitch in the first couple minutes of this interview. So just imagine that I introduced Nick Dillard and Brian Laws seamlessly, and we're going to just jump right into that interview. And sorry for ruining your intro, Brian. I'll leave now. Go see Disaster Artist. <laughs> everything, yeah. <laughs> Our short uh, is called Tempo. It played in, uh, like you said, the Oki shorts. Um, and it was an idea that Nick originally came to me with, uh, I guess, a little bit over a year ago, maybe almost a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. um, as a script he'd written that he was just ready to make into a short. And him and I both had agreed, I guess, we'd waited too long to make one so far so in our life. So went ahead and just jumped on it, and we're ready to make it happen. Nice. And we're really honored to have it in Dead Center. Dude, yeah. and it was it's it's so good, you guys. It is so good. Uh, if you haven't gotten to see Tempo, will it be available for people to watch at any point? I think eventually we have a couple more festivals that we're waiting to hear back from. So yeah. right now we just have a trailer up. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. And so what we're going to be talking about, dear listeners, is uh, basically we're talking about crossing over from faith-based filmmaking into the secular world, taking that leap of faith. Because these two guys also work at a an awesome place called Life Church. You guys are two Christian filmmakers as well. And uh, so we're going to talk all about that. I also, again, I'm still getting used to the environment. I'm still a little flustered because I'm not used to having a camera on us. But uh, I should reintroduce our guest co-host, Neil Newby. Welcome back to the show. (laughs) I am so happy to be back. Uh, How did you murder Kelly? Oh, you know, I took her to the river, fed her some delicious supplements, and there she went. (laughs) <laughs> you, you fed her supplements and then kicked her That's into right, the river. Yeah. I was like, hey, swim back. You're going to have a perfectly looking six pack. <laughs> <laughs> and she never made it. <laughs> never did. <laughs> now, Kelly's home. She's uh, She's got the kiddos on vacation and all that kind of stuff. So she'll be back at a later date. But in the meantime, we've got this schmuck. So hello once again <laughs> from Schmuckville. <laughs> so, guys, let's let's get into it. Let's um, I'm, I'm really curious. First of all, um, why do you think it's so hard for people from the faith-based filmmaking background to cross over into the secular world? Uh, I'll answer a little bit. Um, you feel free to jump in, Brian. Um, so uh, for me, wh- what I've noticed is um, at least 
growing up. Um, so I started film at a church and I've never really done work outside of a church, outside of like some passion projects or, uh, some weddings, you know? Um, and I think, uh, some of it can be hard, um, just from the standpoint of the culture that is in a church can be very forgiving, you know, because just the nature of it and stuff like that. Whereas, um, the secular world is more worried about like excellence and delivering and stuff like yeah. that, which isn't a bad thing at all. Like that's not a bad thing at all. I think it's just kind of a culture shift. Right. And some, some people and some filmmakers like, um, admire that and want to jump into it cause they're ready to kind of see what they're made of. And other people are just kind of fine with, uh, being in the church world and doing stuff like that. And, uh, I'm also not saying like, things can't be good within the church. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I, I just think that in the church world you can be more forgiving and, um, sometimes you have to be responsible for your own growth within environments like that. Yeah. So I'm always fascinated with how churches are such a great place to cut your teeth in filmmaking. Like, like why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that churches have such a, a great incubator for filmmaking as opposed to other places? Well, I do think it's probably more of a recent uh, occurrence to see film in churches in general. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a, a sphere that typically hasn't been as involved with filmmaking. And, and so maybe in that regard, it's <clears throat> allowed people to come in that maybe uh, in less traditional avenues to come in and learn there uh, in a, maybe just a less um, a, a, a culture that's still growing, I guess, in their filmmaking. I mean, they're still... Yeah. I don't want to say a childlike, but, but still like, um, I don't know if churches were doing film 50 years ago, but we all, we all know there was cinema back then. So yeah, that would be my guess at least, man. Cause I think back at like, do you remember whenever the, like the, the, the lyrics to the, you know, wow. I can't remember the, the iMag. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the projector thing, the, the lady would be like switching out the words and all that kind of like, that oh, was, that was as far as technology took us. I don't know if I ever experienced us. that. I no? never did. No. <laughs> did I just go to a really crappy small church? <laughs> well, we had that and it was hilarious. Cause I was just thinking like, there's gotta be something better than this. And then now you see with life church, it's just, it's bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Technology is just yeah. so integrated. Whereas probably only what 10 years ago it really wasn't or maybe 20 years Mm -hmm. ago for sure it wasn't yeah so i guess essentially i i it feels like maybe a little bit like the wild west like there's a lot of trailblazing still happening yeah with filmmaking in the church and in that for that reason i think that makes it a place that a lot of people cut their teeth like you said and can have a lot of quick um growth in yeah yeah and so um have did you guys start out together in the church and that's how you started out your careers just all have you always worked together I guess only a month apart. I mean, we, yeah. um, we, we go ahead, Nick. Well, yeah. Like Brian and I have known each other because we started working at live church. Uh, and, uh, he started first and then I came in a month after him and then, uh, we just kind of, um, I mean, we, we became friends and stuff like that. And then I think our passion for filmmaking grew around the same time of trying to do stuff on, I think so. on, on the side. And we became better friends outside of yeah. work as well as yep. inside. So even nowadays where we're not still working together at the church, our friendship and, and our passion for filmmaking is just extended beyond that. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of what really gave Tempo its, its birth. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. and I'm curious because you, when did you leave Life Church? Uh, just this past week. Just as Pat, wow, just as, is that yeah, yeah, jeez. 
Because I worked with you guys like on several different projects, uh-huh. and I'm like, and you're not going to be there anymore. That makes me sad. I'll still be around, but n- not not there. Uh, okay. So it was it was a fun ride, but now now it's time. You're to move moving on. on to greener move, pastures. Move, yes. Am I allowed to ask where you where you've moved on to? So uh, I. I'll say I have an interview at an agency, a uh, filmmaking agency Ooh. in Oklahoma City. I won't disclose who that is just because it's an interview, so nothing's right. for sure yet. And um, he got the job. <laughs> <laughs> we can only I mean, hope. this is coming out three months later, so we could totally be like, sure. And now he's CEO. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm running the company, and <laughs> we're headed in a really good direction, so... We're excited. This is really three months later. It'll come out three. It'll months? probably be about three months later. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking to the future. Wow. That's really the past. I don't know how it works. What an honor. That's technology right there. <laughs> That's right. Man. This is welcome to the Oki Show show, the podcast that travels through time, Gosh. both ways, both ways, forward and backwards. We're basically the TARDIS of podcasts. <laughs> uh, Nerds so, listening will know what the crap I, I was just I, saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I that went over my head. But I'll look it up later. I have three months yeah. to look it up. There's a 13th yeah, Doctor, you guys. Tons, you have yeah. tons of time to Yeah, realize. tons of time. <laughs> and I'm just so disappointed because she's a blonde. <laughs> I don't even know why that's a problem. Like, why is that even a big deal? That uh, Who cares? <laughs> so, the Doctor's not a uh, girl. Anyway, you, <laughs> we rabbit trail on this show. I don't right? know if I told you that. Yes, yeah. And so you direct all of the films that you guys produce and put together? Yes, yeah, so far. Um, yeah. That was really a lot of... I guess what our friendship grew around is that we mm-hmm. both um, at work where we worked at at the church um, did did a, little, a couple wore a couple different hats in the filmmaking process, right, directing, right, right. shooting, and editing. And yep. me and him really both recognized that um, I prefer to write and direct, and he prefers mm-hmm. to to be DP, and, yep. and he loves to color too. Mm-hmm. He's very humble. He acts like he's not good at it, but he's actually a great colorist. <laughs> um, You're a great writer, Brian. Well, thank you. Oh. But, <laughs> Guys, that was that was honestly a a cool moment for us as friends and as collaborators when we realized that we both preferred to focus on different aspects of the filmmaking process. Yeah, because it opened up to us taking on I think bigger things that we could tackle um, together that we wouldn't be able to do on our own. And that that's been really exciting just to see um, like us be able to recognize like Brian's really good in these areas and I'm really good in these areas and like us not stepping on each other's toes but saying like dude i trust you let's let's mm-hmm. make this happen and uh whenever whenever uh i was writing tempo it was just so just to shoot something you know and i was listening to a cinematography podcast uh back then and one of the things that he said was he was talking about how the tide rises all boats and i was like well that makes sense so i contacted brian to be like well you want to direct so here just like i gave him the script and said, you direct it, I'll shoot it, and, you know, you just take it in whatever direction, you know, you see fit. And that's just kind of how we operated since then. And it was super exciting to have him come trust me with his own script. So, yeah, yeah, from there, it just took off. Man, especially, I think, I feel like locally that's rare to have a writer that's just like, here you go. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I, I w- well, I wouldn't call myself a writer. I was just anxious to shoot something and then give it away. He's more of a writer than he lets on, but no. yeah. what we, what we <laughs> have kind of settled into with our processes, we've started kind of breaking story together yeah. more often. And then That's been really in more cool. recent projects, because we have a couple short films we've written that we just kind of have on the shelf that we hope to make soon in the coming months or years. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, we break story together, and then uh, more recently I've gone off and written the actual screenplay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then Nick's really good at some world building stuff and like naming. Like, I we came up with a story the other day, and then I I think I we were somewhere, and then I, I fell asleep or something because we had a big dinner, and I was I was tired, <laughs> and I woke up and on the typewriter. I woke up and he had like named all the characters and the cities and the world of it, and and I was like it's things I would have never come up with, and it was super yeah. helpful. <laughs> That's about as extensive as my writing goes. Well, and this whole process, it, it sounds like the like the creative process at a church, like at Life Church, in that you know incubative kind of situation. That's how that's mm-hmm. how they do it at Skit Guys and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love that that is accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, yeah. those processes are able to be learned in a real you know real world scenario. For sure, you have like a. a team of guys who are just like it's like good friends like mm-hmm. you guys and just brainstorming ideas to try yeah. to make good good films yeah and i think that that's like really awesome having a writer's room and stuff like that that's that's really really cool i mean you basically have a writer's room between the two of you <laughs> but yeah. like you came from life church where you also have we a writer's to, yeah. room and all that mm-hmm. well what the what, one thing that was cool that we learned at life church was just there was in, within the process of developing a script there's just a an initial brainstorm, then the writer goes away and works on some stuff, and then there's a thrashing, which sounds super violent, but it's literally like nine tails. And <laughs> yeah, it that was, joke was yeah. bad. Yep. <laughs> but, but I mean, in a in a more diplomatic way, yeah, a room full of people that basically say like this works, this doesn't, yeah. um, and then it goes through a refining process that way. So I think that taught me, and you can say oh for sure, probably yeah. like too. Same here. The value of like letting things be seen. Mm-hmm. In a safe spot, yep. letting them be refined and not being afraid to dig out and es- like ex- I can't say the word to uh, excavate the uh, yeah. best story that's there yeah. underneath the surface. Oh, for sure, God, that's great. Well, and also being able to being willing to take criticism in the spirit of making it better. Oh yeah, yeah. If that's you're on the same team, you don't have to be so defensive. Yeah, right. Yep. Well, and that's I feel like that's a really important thing for local people that are wanting to to write and do all that. Like you've got to be used to criticism. And so many times we have local local filmmakers that are kind of in their own little bubble, like they're all, they're in they're just kind of hold up by themselves mm-hmm. and they have to do it by themselves. Like, what do you have to say to that person that is kind of alone in all that? Mm-hmm. Well, I I think I tend to talk more than Nick. I'm laughing. I'll talk. He's laughing you. at me. No. Um, what I would say to that is that I have been re- I, I left the premiere of Tempo at Dead Center feeling just so incredibly thankful. Mm-hmm thinking about the fact that I just watched a film that I, I know I had an integral part in, but that there were so many different aspects that I didn't, I didn't touch because there was other people I trusted to collaborate on it. And, mm-hmm. and I left so thankful feeling like, I don't know how we pulled that off. I don't know how that worked. I know what I did. I know what Nick did, but it's amazing to see the whole come together and what can be accomplished when you trust other people to buy into that vision yep. and do their, do their role. Yep. Um, so I, Although it can be scary on the flip side, it was only encouraging and exciting and super energizing to do more stuff, mm-hmm. seeing what yeah. can be accomplished with more people. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I Yeah, as far as like uh, the bubble thing, I think the, the biggest thing I could think of is if your aspiration is to grow, you have to be vulnerable. So, I mean, and it's, it's obviously easier to be vulnerable with people that you trust. So, um, like I trusted Brian and I like we were on the same like level and we knew we wanted to get better. So we just trusted each other. And yeah, to, to anybody kind of within their bubble, I guess I would tell them like, man, if, if you really want to get better and if you really want to grow, you have to step out on a limb at some point 
and it's it's easier it it is easier to do that with people that you know and they, that you trust that you know also want to grow but um if those people for whatever reason aren't around you that can't stop you either you yeah. know you got to pop that bubble you know and kind of you know go adventure find your safe people and yeah and just like trust them to collaborate with you and, mm-hmm. and you can start small it could be yep. one other person two other people but um typically that you can create that environment that's going to make a safe spot absolutely even if it's just two of you at first yeah that's awesome so i want to bring it back to the the stepping out from faith-based filmmaking to mm-hmm. the secular world first of all how do you navigate um you know, because in the, in the faith-based world, and I say faith-based because it's not just Christian films. Like there's, you know, Muslim films and other films from different religious backgrounds and stuff. Sure. That's why we're sticking to faith-based. But, you know, with that, you have some limitations mm-hmm. that you have to deal with because when you have Christian audiences, you know, you can't exactly drop the F-bomb. Yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah. Unless you yeah. want everybody to evacuate the church immediately. Typically if not, that's yeah. how you want to leave and go to the secular, <laughs> secular world, then I guess you have that <laughs> that's option. That's perfect yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting the F out of here. Yep. <laughs> so, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you have you have these limitations of your audience within the film, the, the Facebook, I can't talk, the faith-based <laughs> world, the face-based world. And then you go into a world where there's no faces whatsoever. No faces. How do you how do you deal with that? Oh man, <laughs> no, where do I no, look? But, you know, <laughs> how do you how do you go about doing that? I guess uh, and, and staying true to yourself. I guess. Um, would, would you mind actually rephrasing the question for me a little bit? How do you go about like you you have in the Christian filmmaking world within your audience? You know, you have all these limitations of like language and certain convictions and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then to, yeah, and then yeah. you move into the secular world where you can have someone brutally murdered and that kind of thing. Like, how do you go about navigating that without kind of, I guess, betraying yourself? I guess that's what I'm getting to. Do you mean like while you're still there or making the leap of making like, the leap? Okay. Yeah. It's the world's most complicated, convoluted way of asking a question. Sorry. <laughs> no, dude. No, that makes sense. Um, you, do you, who do you want to go first? Oh. I'll go for it. It seems like you're thinking. Go for it. Yeah. I'll just start talking. We'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, man, I, I think it's, um, I think no matter what the subject is and, um, no matter where you're at and where you want to go, um, it's, it's all about just trial and error, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think, um, I don't think, so it, it, to answer your question, like, saying true to yourself and stuff like that. If, if you write something or direct something or you shoot something and, you know, maybe by the end of it or in the middle of it, you, you just don't feel great about it. You're, you're now like, you're creating wisdom for yourself, you know, where you're like, okay, so this is, you know, these are my boundaries and my guidelines for film going forward or something like that. And you may be able to say like, well, morally, you know, I don't really want to do this anymore after doing it. And I don't think there's, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Cause, uh, you know, you say faith-based, like we're Christians. So like, yeah. that's us. Um, so if, if something feels morally wrong with us, like, yeah, you know, as a Christian that felt weird, um, you know, God will forgive us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just got to take that moving forward and you figure out like where, to, what our boundaries are. Um, but, uh, then you kind of have to discern like, okay, this, this 
tested me like technically or professionally. So there's nothing wrong with that. And you just persevere through that. But if it's morally, then you then moving forward. But yeah, I, I think going back to what I said initially of, I think it's just a, like a trial and error thing and you shouldn't be afraid of kind of venturing out that way yeah. you can learn for, learn for yourself, mm-hmm. you know? So no, I think that's great. Um, I guess for, I, it's been a question on my mind for, um, for sure. Uh, as, as I came to realize, okay, we have a short film that's going to premiere at a, at a festival, um, in a city that we call home, like, mm-hmm. um, a lot of eyes are going to be on a lot more eyes than yesterday, you know, the day before yeah. the festival we'll be on what will be on the film. Um, and am I okay with that? Yeah. And, um, I think what I go back to often as I've been wrestling with that question, probably for the last year, cause we made it in 2016 and it played in 17. So there's a lot of time to process. Yeah. I think I, I try to go back to why I originally love film and, and it's mm-hmm. as an audience member, it's as a fan. So I think most people probably get into it for that reason. Mm-hmm. And as an audience member, like I'm crazy about film. I love going to movies. I, I, I want to engage with the story. Like mm-hmm. I want to be invited into a story that someone's going to take care of me with, hold yeah. my hand, take me on a good journey. And at the end of it, I feel satisfied with that. Um, and I think I'm after the same thing as a director too, is just, um, no matter what I make or what I put out there, I want that to be the main goal that I'm always coming back to. And I don't know if that's cliche. I don't know if that's the typical answer, but to stay true to my roots and stay true to myself, whether Mm -hmm. it's in the church or outside of the church, I want to be crafting a story that, that people are excited to be invited into and entertained. And at the end they feel satisfied and um, that usually keeps me within the boundaries that I need to to not be gratuitous with yeah. what I'm putting in it. Um, if there's language or if there's certain content, it's there because I think it serves the purpose of creating that story. Right. And and that has kept me really anchored to to I think where I need to be and true to myself. Yeah. Um, just reminding myself if I'm the one in the seat watching this, if I'm not the filmmaker but the audience member, um, is it serving the reason I came to that theater still? Right. And that, that's been okay for me so far. I think there's probably a learning curve too, like Nick said, Mm. where you maybe go too far or Mm -hmm. you wish you would have gone farther. And I think you just course correct and you learn. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because like, you know, for Neil and I, like we're crew members, you know, we're not necessarily the writer directors and that kind of thing of the projects that we work on. So like, you know, your personal convictions aren't exactly a, you know, like the project that you're working on isn't totally a reflection of you. Sure. <laughs> you know, sure, sure. because like we've worked on movies that have had sex scenes and stuff like that. And like, that's yeah. not a reflection of who we are. Sure. Sure. But as the writer directors and stuff, it is. Mm-hmm. So I think you take on that risk that I'll yeah. in the same way that if the film's terrible, you're right. at the front. It's just you know? really yeah. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's a reflection of I you. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If the movie's bad, you're really bad being a person. <laughs> you're no. the first name that everyone's mad at. If yeah, it's bad. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the uh, yeah. That's I mean, that's why I'm afraid to step into those shoes. I think, and because I'm not good at it. <laughs> I'm good at it. holding a pole. I don't, <laughs> massive shoulders. <laughs> massive shoulders. shoulders. Yeah, shoulders. Got, I love it. And so, uh, you guys. Did well. I know that you DP'd mm-hmm. the unseen, correct? Yes. Yeah. And did, we, did you work on that as well? That was actually Nick. Nick did all that. He directed yeah. that too. That, that was that was one of the projects where it was just uh, just me. Uh, I had a, a guy named Cody Jeffcoat uh, who helped 
shoot it and stuff like that. And he also helped, uh, I would say even helped DP it a little bit of, you know, um, he kind of came in with me and we kind of scouted out locations and stuff like that. But and yeah, you, it was, it was, did just you, me. did you write this, the story of the three? No, line? no. Uh, we had, uh, his name was Salvatore del Salvatore. It still is, but he is, he has since left us. Um, but, uh, he's still he, alive. Yeah. He's he is still alive. <laughs> yes. And he's yeah. dead. He yeah. works somewhere else. Done and done. He might be dead by the time this releases. I hope not. <laughs> I hope we not We are talking either. to the future. And yeah. Like we all could be dead. I we don't, don't know. I don't hold his fate, but I hope he, I digress. Yeah. No, I did not write it. No. Uh, just directed it and shot it and, and he colored it. it. You did a great job and coloring colored it. it. Yes. Yeah, it, it did. I really liked, uh, like, especially the demon scenes, like, had, like, very, like, green hue. Yeah. So it was amazing. I really oh, liked thanks, it. man. I, uh, I've always been a huge Fincher fan. Nice. Um, just huge. And if Tempo didn't give that away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so that, that actually gave me a reason to go a little bit darker, um, for since it was about you know angels and demons, right? So I was like, man, I'm going to take advantage of that. And it, by the way, it was awesome working with Alan Davidson and Stephen Goodman. Yes. With yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. Was, they were great, so good. Yeah. Stars of Electric Nostalgia. Yeah. Great, man. great actors. Yeah, Sidebar. they were they were a blast. I I hardly gave them really anything. I was like, you guys obviously know what you're doing, yeah. so I'm just going to stay ah, behind the camera. So what was your sidebar? I was just going to ask, so with the in the spirit of unseen, which is a movie about spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. to give the listeners an idea of what we're talking about. Have you read *This Present Darkness* by Frank Peretti? I have not. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Read that book. Dang it. I'm going to read it. And then read *Piercing the Darkness*. They're two massive books. You'll you'll spend years reading them. Homework. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what is the future for you guys? Do you guys plan on uh, making more short films? Brian. You want me to answer that? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, we definitely put on making more um, short films, and, and I will say we have a feature in mind, too. Um, yes. I guess we technically have two stories we talked about. We mm-hmm. have one story, which is, um, I'm scared to jinx it, but since it's three months later, it should be okay. That's that <laughs> heading towards 80 pages, which we're trying to get, I'm trying to get to just first draft done. Um, and then another one I'd like to start soon. Um, but we have some short films that are written that we've mm-hmm. actually even reached out about some casting stuff for. Nice. Um, that we're still just trying to find the right the right team to really make that right. happen. Yeah. So. Well, you know, this actually was an elaborate ploy for you to choose us. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh sorry. Yes. Great. You, thought, you thought it was your ploy. We actually. This is an audition. We're oh, yeah. yeah. Man, they turned it right <laughs> on its head. I'm glad you, you say that. Surprise. I have my headshots and resume right here. <laughs> right here. <laughs> but yeah, we. Oh my gosh, we had so much fun the night after the night after we finished like cleaning up after tempo like putting the gear away everything was you know basically just time to get in your cars and go home mm-hmm. we looked at each other and we were just like that was so much fun oh yeah um and so we want to do it again mm-hmm. and we have a couple we're trying to figure out which one of those will be the next one yeah, yeah. i guess dead center 2018 is uh, you could say is definitely on our radar trying yeah. to have one ready for that so definitely. if not sooner Man, definitely. I, freaking, I miss the deadline for that every year it's dumb. Oh, no. I thought you were. I thought you had one in this past year. Uh, I was in one in that was for, in it. Yeah. yeah, that was I, where I got Illustrator's to be a dead Anonymous. Guy. Not Illustrator. Uh, he was an Illustrator's Anonymous. Okay, I was okay. in that one. That's right. He yeah. was the coloring yeah. books. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was did do the coloring books. Hey, they saw it. <laughs> That's right, the coloring book man. <laughs> yes, I loved it. So I'm the coloring book man. I'll so you guys it. are I'll planning on doing features and all that kind of stuff. Like, are you planning on doing any any like faith based? stuff 
like in the future, like outside of Life Church? Not I. Right now, no. Like it's it's not uh, it's not in the foreseeable future. Not to say we we necessarily won't do it, but mm-hmm. in the foreseeable future, we have we have some other stuff we want to try. For me, I would say probably the same that I would never, never say never, but I guess as of now, like, um, I've tried to just identify what stories kind of feel like they need to be told by me, like like, which ones are kind of ready to come out and to, to, to capitalize on that and try to write those and take the momentum of that. Absolutely. I'm sure because of who I am and what I, the things I care about, certain themes might emerge within those stories, Mm -hmm. but I I don't think that they would be exclusively a, a faith-based story because, Um, I'm just going to kind of let them write them as I feel like they should be right. Just to entertain and, and take the audience on the journey that I, I would want to go on myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's good. I mean, like, I think anybody, I, I feel like when you start talking about faith-based films, you're also talking kind of about agenda movies. Like they have an agenda behind sure. them. Sure. And I think that's probably good that you're not purposefully planning. We're going to do Christian movies mm-hmm. because like, I feel like anytime an agenda movie comes about, and that's not just faith-based movies because there are tons of movies that have an agenda behind them that are not Christian, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't feel like they ever quite land with an audience. And I feel like that's why there's such a stigma on Christian movies. I think so. They suck. The, uh, the, I love the Martin Luther quote. I think it's um, the duty of the Christian shoemaker is not to put little crosses on every shoe, but to make really good shoes. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard that quote? I have not, but that's, that's one that's of my spot favorite on. quotes. Um, I love that quote. I feel like it, I mean, there's, I think it very, very succinctly says like pursue excellence in your mm-hmm. craft and mm-hmm. let that um, speak loudly. Um, and so, yeah, I think you're right. Movies that have not just faith-based movies, but any movie like a, a movie that um, uh, I can't think of a. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a company. You know, a movie that Coca-Cola puts on to promote its its soda is right is not going to land the same as a movie that Marvel puts on to just tell a good story. Yeah, mm-hmm. even though they're both trying to make money, it's different. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's funny because like the same way that I feel about like Christian movies that are at the very end, they're like, and you should accept Christ or else you're going to hell. (laughs) I feel like like that's the same feeling that I get whenever I'm watching like some social justice movie that I may even agree with, but I just, I hate being preached at, you know? Sure. Yeah, man. I don't really think anybody likes being preached at. Mm -hmm. I've been doing a masterclass by David Mamet um, Mm -hmm. recently. I just started it and it's been fascinating. And he talks to that too. Mm -hmm. If you, if you make it, you know, two or three lessons in or 20 minutes into his lesson, he talks exactly about that. Yeah. He basically says, like, I think as the viewer, you can feel tricked. If right. you're like, someone comes at you with like, here was my secret purpose to uh, mm-hmm. take you on this story. He basically says like, just, just keep you, give people a, um, a break from the burden of their subconscious for a little yeah. bit. He's like, that's enough. Like you don't need so to, good. you don't need to uh, come at them and like, stop the show. Let me tell you who you should be voting for. Right. And uh, what you should support. Yes. So, that's all David Mamet. That's not me, me but, yeah. but it's been great to hear him say that. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and like, like uh, we're going to be talking to the skit guys about this pretty soon, but they nice. have a feature film coming up where they're, the writer, director, he's, he and I have had many conversations about how it's so important to not make the movie a Christian movie in the sense that it has a, um, an agenda behind it or, a, or like a moral or anything like that, but just that God is gravity within the world of the story that God is gravity. Like, and I feel like we're seeing more of those types of movies. Mm -hmm. Like, um, (laughs) I have all these examples that I don't actually have in my head right now. Um, but just Ridge, 
Hacksaw Ridge is a great Hacksaw example. Yeah. Holy balls, that's a good movie. Shawshank Redemption, that's an old one, but yeah. does that count or? I, I I like to call them. Uh, I had it written down here. Hidden figures. Um, hidden figures. Yeah, 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 that could yes. be like an undercover faith-based film. That's that's what I like to call this. <laughs> They're undercover. Oh, Scorsese's. Oh, dude. Oh, and t- silence. 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 Yeah. yeah. What man? I yeah. love Adam Driver. Anyways, and that mm-hmm. was that was a fantastic movie. Yep. Yep. That it was, was neat to see Kylo Ren be a priest. Yeah. Or a monk. And Spider-Man. That Man. might be the prequel to Kylo Ren. Former Spider-Man. Former Spider-Man. Former Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, the, the artist Spider-Man. formerly known as Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man's a hardcore Christian. Yeah. Who knew? Um, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> and he can Thanks, also Marvel. rock a samurai ponytail. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, trying to, like, help me help me name a couple of these. We're, we're going to call them undercover faith-based movies. We had Hacksaw Ridge. We had Silence. Um, I like to call the, the Exorcism of Emily Rose... A fantastic mm. undercover faith-based movie because it literally puts God on trial. Have you seen that movie? I have not. <gasps> I, I see. I can't. I me personally, I can't do demonic films. Yeah, I just can't watch them. Yeah, I, I can watch like Scream or something. Right, but like since I believe in demons and stuff, like that can yes. actually happen. It freaks me out, so I don't watch them. That's actually why I like that movie even more because I I agree. Like I totally mm-hmm. believe in demonic, you know. A presence and that kind yeah. of thing and so like it was interesting because that movie kind of like pulls the curtain back on it a little mm-hmm. bit and it's still scary as crap yeah <laughs> dude would you consider forrest gump Ooh. an undercover maybe faith-based movie i would maybe i totally would god that's such i'm trying really hurt i feel like i've got some i just can't yeah i can't think, think of anything a walk to remember mm. jars of clay rocked that <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. saved. It's an interesting satire. I mean, like it. I think it has some very interesting commentary that I feel like. You know, I've honestly never seen it. I just watched the trailer and it's just like, hey. Well, it, you know, it, it takes a much different approach. I mean, it's not a a soft story. Like it, it takes a very satirical approach. But right, I think it actually has some some things in there. Yeah, you'd be surprised of. I'll have to watch that then. There's a show on HBO. That is my favorite show right now. It's called Crashing. Okay. And it's Pete Holmes. And Pete Holmes is actually, he is a, he's a secular comedian. Isn't like, he still drops the F-bomb and that kind of thing. But he's also a Christian. Hmm. And um, he's not, he's not your typical Christian. So he's not like a Bible beating kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Not that that's a typical Christian. It shouldn't be. But, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, Crashing is such a, I would call it a Christian show. It's a Judd Apatow show. And it's about this Christian guy navigating, becoming, trying to do stand-up comedy in this rough world. And it's the first time that I've seen a Christian being portrayed in the real world. Mm-hmm. In that there are people that have sex in this world. And there are people that do drugs in this world. And you're and pretty happy with cuss. how they depict it. It's and like I, I, I do. I really do. Like there's some points where it's like, uh, all right. But given the fact that it's Judd Apatow, what he's given us, I'm okay with. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm really, I'm, I'm digging it. I think I feel like I've seen. It seems like the entertainment world is, the I guess like the spiritual aspect of people's lives is, whereas it once was it's once kind of overlapping, doing, overlapping yeah. more than I feel like it has in previous decades. I feel like there was yeah, a, yeah. a long stretch where it was very, very like uh, segregated, and those things mm-hmm. weren't supposed to touch. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like people nowadays are maybe a little more interested in talking about how they're interwoven. Yeah, the and conversations opening up. I think it's coming more into. Yeah. into the, that's why the entertainment industry is following suit. I think. Yeah. The, uh, I think they're also realizing that there's a market 
for Christian audiences. Yeah, because right. what that, other audience is going to bring true. busloads of people to come to the to the movie theater? You're right. Yep. That's totally true. That is true. Have you guys seen? So this isn't a movie; it's a short film. But Film Supply did it, hmm. and it's called The Cage. Okay. It's uh, a neighbor neighborhood film company. I think did it. I think. That's uh, cool. Yeah, and. It's again. It's not a movie. It's a short film, but you can find it on Vimeo. And I actually I've watched it numerous times because I've told people I was like, it had you know it drops f bombs, it cusses, and you know there's some, um, you know there's some stuff in there that that are, is a little you know risky and stuff. But it, de- I think it actually depicts the gospel better than almost anything else that I've seen. Yeah, I like I cry by the end of it because it's yeah. just so real. You know, that's actually, did, that was yeah. one of the, remember I called you right after I, you, you yeah. sent to me and I watched it and I called you and I was like, this is the flavor of the feature I want to write. Yep. Yeah. It was yep. like, it, I remember like that. it was very inspiring to see mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. And that kind of takes me back to the, the initial question of like staying true to yourself while telling these stories. Because like, for me, like I'm a person of faith and yet. I love seeing movies with the F-bomb and everything because that's the real world that I live sure. in. Sure. You know, and like, and it, it helps me trust the story. And mm-hmm. I really love seeing, like with Crashing, you know, a show that depicts the real world with warts and all mm-hmm. because that's one thing I feel like a lot of Christian movies are afraid of doing, yeah. just showing the world warts and all. Mm-hmm. And then being able to portray the gospel in that. Yeah. And as a person of faith when you're a filmmaker and you want to tell that story suddenly you do have to you know have a movie that has the f-bomb and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff suddenly you do have to like be able to navigate how to shoot a like i'm like i don't think you should ever you shouldn't rely on shooting a sex scene unless it's like really <laughs> pivotal to the story but sure like suddenly you have to to do that kind of stuff because yeah. it's the real world mm-hmm. like how do you how do you do that and that's just like well, an open question in, to the universe in, in, how do you mm-hmm. do that <laughs> and when you do it is it like terrifying like, mm-hmm. do you think, like, that that's something that scares you guys going into, like, maybe pushing the boundaries a little more than what you're normally used to doing? I would say I've definitely had some fear about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't the, the, I haven't done it yet. Like, yeah, yeah. I haven't, Neither I haven't, one of I've, us have filmed anything with sex scenes yet. <laughs> I say yet. Why? Yeah. Why isn't well, that all over well, yeah, Life Church? <laughs> yeah. Neither of us have been faced with the, the like, the challenge like the challenge of how to do that in the right way yeah sure. but i know that like like we said like different stories call for different things and right. inevitably it might come to that point and, and when it mm-hmm. when i get there i don't know I, i'll probably have to and i mean the and not just yeah. necessarily sex scenes but it well, could yeah. be a lot of different things from for like sure. mental illness yep. to uh post-traumatic stress yep. or yeah. whatever someone might be dealing with not mm-hmm. just necessarily sex but just like really really heavy hitting subjects that a lot of people aren't usually like necessarily used to seeing all the time sure yeah i feel like people are very forgiving if you do it for a reason yeah not not forgiving but forgiving is the wrong word i think people are um accepting if you do it for the right reason (laughs) that's right so i feel like if that's true you go back to like what does the story call for you know and if you do what seems right for that story Mm -hmm. i think the audience typically in their gut is okay with that Yeah. yeah because they yeah once they they don't it's want to always, be sugarcoated. Yeah, and man, and it's it's always weird because, like, you know, like I think about movies like 12 Years a Slave or, like, mm-hmm. um, uh, crap, what's the movie with the – it just – like, movies like that that deal with segregation and everything. And, like, mm-hmm. you're having to tell 
African-American actors, like, could you hood it up a little bit? <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, have, yeah. having to do that? Like, having to mm-hmm. ask yeah, people to, like... That's probably in a whole different area taboo within film. Yeah. Yeah. Basically playing into stereotypes or not. I mean, yeah, that's a whole sure. different topic in itself. Oh, yeah. God. I mean, like, I don't even know how you would... Uh, yeah. See, that's another reason why I'd be terrified to direct anything. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really hard, Jumping too. into that arena. I yeah. Mean, I do think you can probably... Uh, probably hide behind... Not hide behind, but you can probably stick to once again like what's the character gonna be like and hopefully that's a dialogue you have with every actor is yeah like, people will say like what do you think they how do you think they would speak mm-hmm. but um you know i do think of like that scene in crash remember have you seen oh god when, yeah when he basically that they have that they go to the director and they're like you need to go um yeah it's, it's a very racist comment that i don't support at all but i'll i'll they basically ask the director to go to um like a, one of the actors of color and have him um change how he's speaking because they feel like it's uh too eloquent yeah. And it's it's terribly racist. Yeah. And I remember seeing that when I was probably like in high school and it really it bothered me. So yeah. as a filmmaker, Dude. I haven't had to do that and I don't plan to ever have to do that. But. Yeah. Dude, Crash is one of those movies where I, I, I'll watch it and just be like, how the hell did mm-hmm. they do this and mm-hmm. not everyone be pissed off every time they left the set? Well, I think because it's so fair. It's yeah. like South Park. It's like you make fun of everyone. Yeah. So then everyone's like, okay, touche. We're all yeah. Like, like <laughs> no, we're, we're no, all going to laugh at ourselves. No one's picked <laughs> yeah. on everyone's like, ah, yeah. that really hurts. You basically made a movie about how everyone's really racist and yeah. now we can all just sit and think about how true that is. You know that they probably had a meeting where they had everybody in the cast and crew together and like they, they, you know, like the producer comes up and is like, all right, we're making a very racist movie. Nobody can get offended at anything. <laughs> Deal with it'll it. Win best, Deal with it. It'll win Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Which it did. It did. Yeah, it totally did. Oh, oh, oh. That's such a beautiful movie. It's such a painful movie to watch. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, I think of obstacles like that, especially as a person of faith, like, directing anything in a, in a world depicted that is anything close to the real world. Mm-hmm. You know. God, yeah. that's got to be rough. Yeah. Sure. And see, for me, I could just take a shot before I have to do something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe maybe we're, we sound braver than we actually are because we haven't had to face yeah, some of those yeah, really yeah, difficult that's, situations that's you're talking true. about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Maybe you're doing us a favor. You're making us think about it now. I want yeah. you to think about the next time that you have to Gosh. shoot a sex scene. More homework. Well, that's one of the benefits <laughs> of being a writer, too, is like what I'm writing now is things I'm okay making and saying. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. at least, I mean, but that not, might not always be the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might well, not always get to choose the script. Yeah, well, and that's very true because sometimes, you know, for aspiring directors, you're not always going to be directing the things that you yourself have written and have, like, influence on. Sure. Sometimes you're just a hired gun. Like, mm-hmm. if we're talking you know, the real world scenario, sometimes you're just a hired gun. Yep. And when you are a hired gun in the same way that we below the line crew members, there's a sex scene. You have to, for me, it's, I have to throw my boom operator in that room and (laughs) listen to sex sounds in my headphones while everyone's gathered around me, Mm -hmm. knowing exactly what I'm listening to. (laughs) But I guess that same scenario has to exist in every industry too. Yeah. You know, where you're like, you're, I don't know. I don't think you're ever going to avoid it. Yeah. yeah, no matter whether you're in filmmaking or in accounting, I feel like there's – I can't – I don't know accounting well enough. To, yeah. my, my metaphor is going to fall apart if I keep going. But there's that, that situation has to exist outside of filmmaking too. Yeah. Maybe it just comes down to maturity. Like maybe it's as simple as that. Like, it, Yeah, I agree with that. I, I definitely think that it could come down to maturity. I would – I mean um, again like being a person of faith, I, I would also say that um, – there will be a time that uh, you will probably have to say no to something and stand firm 
and you're going to get persecuted for it, and that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. You know, I don't think, like, I wouldn't want to say yes to everything and just chalk it up to, like, well, I'm, you know, I'm I'm okay with this because it's just me and, mm-hmm. like, you know, someone else wrote it or whatever. Um, like, I wouldn't want to walk into a situation and be like, well, I'm just going to, you know, suck it up and go through it like there, yeah. there will there will most definitely be times where it's like yeah I, I don't i don't think it'd be right for me to you know associate myself with this and um i i was actually in because life church has a uh west palm beach campus or wellington campus but around west palm beach and there's a guy up there that actually worked for uh spike tv oh. and um he said that he like he would be reading his bible app yeah. Uh, while he was on set, if something was going on that people would actually make fun of him and he didn't quit. Right. But he would like, he was also a light, you know, on a hill mm-hmm. or, you know, in the darkness because of that and stuff. So, um, I think there will inevitably times where it's like, I might have to walk away from something. Yeah. But at, at the same time, you got to kind of measure like, do I be a light or do I walk away? Yeah. You know? So I wish we lived in a society that was accepting of more accepting of the Christian conviction. It feels like we have a lot of sympathy for like every other freaking religion. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and when it comes to like Christians, it's like you're a bigot or something like yeah. that. It's just, it's not fair. I wonder if that just, yeah, I, I guess I think that's probably the reality of anytime there's a predominant culture of anything yeah. mm-hmm. that typically is probably going to get the most, yep. yeah. you know, so if you're, if we were in another country where there was another religion that was the dominant religion, mm-hmm. I think that probably would get more flack. I think that's kind of what you, what you get when you're the minor, the, I'm sorry, the majority. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually kind of don't like, I used to kind of have a problem with that though, of like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's accepting about everything else. But when it comes, I feel like when it comes to Christianity, maybe it's just because I'm on this line, yeah. but you know, when it comes to Christianity that people are, you know, a little bit more not accepting of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like, you know, people raise arms about it and stuff, but, uh, I don't know. I, I can't remember if it's because I read something and watched something or if it was just a realization. But I think if we just kind of I – th- I think it's okay to accept that and just move yeah. on because then I feel like that speaks volumes. It is like I, I heard of this thing called man, you know, like manananism or something. It's feminism. <laughs> Mananism? It's feminism. Mananism. It's mananism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. The yeah. meninists. Like, yeah. Like – you know, feminists for men. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. dude, suck it up, man. We need equal rights. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, I'm just saying like when it, yeah, when it comes to men Christian need to, the women need to stop demanding of men to put the lid down. It's unfair. I know all this backbreaking hard labor. I know. You know what? You know, I know. what? I hate the sound. It's just such a loud, like <laughs> slap. Like, I feel like if there was a cushion, they made it softer. Yeah. I think that might yeah. be the real problem. That's really, I mean, it's really oppressive in the middle of the night whenever I have to put the lid down after I'm done, you, or I've done, you know, doing my business. I actually just think, just put a urinal in there, man. Just like I agree. Both. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get both. Checkmate, ladies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got ours. We you've got this? yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> so what words of advice would you give to any aspiring filmmaker that may or may not be a person of faith that's trying to be successful, just mm. period. Like, what kind of what that's kind of good. advice can you give, Brian? <laughs> oh, I know you have so much good advice. Thanks for reading this really good book called "Was It Tools of Titans?" Yeah, yeah, by um, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, you yeah. go first. Okay, we're we're back to me. I can do <laughs> okay. it. Ping pong. 
I, I know the one, the one that I'll do, I'll go because it's me and Nick say to each other all the time. It's go make stuff. Like, yep. and it's advice I've heard from other podcasts of, of people in the entertainment industry. It's, it's advice I've heard from people in the city here, mm-hmm. but like there's rarely a substitute of learning that you're really going to learn more than just going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've learned that in my yeah, own life true. too, just making stuff. I've learned so much yep. more than theorizing about it. That's so really good. That's um, true. Cause man, you can talk about doing stuff all day long, oh, but until yeah. you, yeah. you know, if you don't have a demo reel, then your talk's cheap, man. Yeah. 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 I mean, it depends what you want to do, too, but you said specifically filmmakers. I mean, well, we could expand it to any artist, I, I guess. I, would, I guess I would just say just start start studying what makes a good story because I think the technical ability to make film mm-hmm. um, probably comes quicker than – I don't know if that's fair. It, I think it might come quicker learning the technical side than it does to learn how to tell a good story. It might take more work to go back and try to like yeah. – do you think that's true? I don't want to downplay Well, no, I think that is true because – you know, yeah, I, I think that is true because, like, on, in a way, you do have to learn the technical side, like just how to shoot the thing before you can actually have the tools to make a good story. I don't know. I, maybe you can learn both at the I, same I time. I feel like you're. I feel like in in like what makes a good story, you're dealing in this abstract realm. Yeah. And then on the technical side, you're at least a little bit more in a tangible realm. So, right. like, mm-hmm. if you're learning, like, you know, Brian, I know you do. One thing you do is audio. Like uh, you, you at least nah. can be there. You probably can at least be there experimenting right with your ears, and you can be like, "This sounds better. This doesn't sound as good." And you're developing your craft right there in front of you. But I feel like the story—you can be swimming in your head, like not sure oh, yeah. like, what's good, what's not, and um, you're in your mind, which is really complicated. It's not like an objective, like that sounds good or just doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that my first advice would be make stuff. And if you don't have the ability to like get a camera or a mic, mm-hmm. like practice like crafting a good story because yeah. Typically, the technical stuff will find its way to a good story. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, I'm going to piggyback off of that just a little bit. Um, so, I mean, there was stuff. So I, w- I went to school a little bit for film, but I'm mostly self-taught. And w- when I started at Life Church, there were things that I didn't know that I picked up from other people technically. So, I like, I think you – from a technical standpoint, you can always pick stuff up by just jumping in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I – you, you probably need to take some time like on your own to learn it and stuff. Sure. But, um, uh, as a, as a DP, you know, I, or an aspiring DP, I, uh, I know there are a lot of people out there like, you know, gear nerds of just, um, you know, I'm one, like I love researching about cameras and specs and lenses and like the personality of lenses and stuff like that. Just all this type of stuff because they're tools. And plus it's just kind of neat to figure out what's new you know, and stuff. But I think, man, I think that can become a trap so quick. Yeah. And, uh, here's the thing I've seen, I've seen really great stuff that maybe it was technically proficient, but like the story sucked. So Mm -hmm. in in 10 minutes I was gone. Like I was not listening. I was not watching and stuff like that. And, um, I know, like, I know what this sounds like because I was the guy who, like oh man another person saying like story is key i hate hearing that you know i was that guy but it's so true because if you if you learn how to craft it you will want to craft it well and you will learn how to use the tools at your disposal disposal like how to use a camera well and stuff to actually tell it so uh jumping back um Brian and I, one of the things we do now, which is incredibly fun, is we'll like sit down and have coffee or something 
and we'll just like craft a story and like one of one of us might be like well what do you think about this and it's like well maybe it doesn't feel right okay like what well like what's what's one of the things you always ask is like what's the what does the main character want and yeah then if, intention if, and well, intention and obstacle yeah which yeah, is like yeah. an aaron sorkin thing he talks about in this this video i've watched of him but just says like what did, what's the intention of your character and what's the obstacle in, in his mm. way yeah <clears throat> and so like i might nick might have an idea i might have an idea and one of us might be like that's great, but what do they want? And mm-hmm. then when we figure out what the character wants, like, well, nothing stands in their way. It's like he wants a yeah. burrito, and he's in front of the taco shop. So yeah, which, and we'll, well, I guess maybe that would be an obstacle because it's the only serve tacos. But. Yeah, and that's <laughs> very deceiving. I think we just came up with our third short. Yeah, that's the next short. Uh, but I, yeah, like we we since we do that, we're crafting storytelling muscles, yeah. you know. And I think that's super important because I can always go online and figure out how to use a camera maybe that i haven't used before but storytelling is so much more complicated than that yeah you know so i would say if you're you want to be a filmmaker um i would say before you go look at rental prices for a camera or start maybe start saving just start, start as soon as possible. yeah start <laughs> save saving some money but before you put any any money and energy into like the like getting the actors and the crew although that's important see if you can sit around a dinner table with your friends and tell them the story and have them not get bored and when, oh, you get, yeah. and when you get that down where you're like, they don't like, they're not like just being polite and yeah. they want you to be done. Then I think you're probably ready to start moving on to the That's other stuff. Yeah. Or in that spirit, you could just play D and D. That's probably storytelling. Great. That's probably great. Storytelling. Uh-huh. And it's it super nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize D and D was what they were talking about at the beginning of ET till. Uh, did you know that? No. I think they're talking I'm going to have to go back and watch ET now. D&D, yeah, because I read the script and I was looking at it and they're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. And then <sighs> I think Stranger Things is that's probably a direct. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. So then they're obviously I think it's a direct like, you know, tribute to that. Yeah. But you don't realize it because That's really funny. Well, I didn't the think audio's about not as good in those older movies and the like it's like all the like little lines that those mm-hmm. kids say in ET. They kind of like you I don't know about you when I was little, so like they're almost like memorized, but I don't know what they mean. It's like right. the lyrics of a song when you're a kid, yeah, and you don't realize what they're saying because so. it just went over your head. Yeah, so yeah, then yeah when I read it as an adult. I was like, oh, Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean I'm, to I'm a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> um, enthusiast. <laughs> Trying to get Neil in on it Proficier. too. Nice. No. I'm not good at it. I really suck at it. I think it's great. <laughs> I, I love it. A lot of people play the game, and it's very on interesting. My, on my thirtieth birthday. We went to McNelly's and, and they kept feeding D&D. me shots. And then I demanded that we play an impromptu game of D and D in the middle of the bar. Do you not need a board game? Uh, no, no. Uh, you li- like our dungeon master was there, and he, I think he had his die and everything. So he was like, "Okay, we're playing." It's wow. that simple. It's literally that That's simple. Cool. Hmm. That makes sense why it took off so much. Yeah, yeah. It's simple and yet oddly one of the most complicated games yeah. I've ever played. It, it, I still it, have it, no idea how to use my spells for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to play. We have enough time for one game. All righty. So, oh, man. Um, you guys are going to basically get to uh, play puppeteers for me and Neil. So I'm going to hand oh, you this me. bell. Yeah. Wh- so okay. we're going to play a game called Story, Story, Die. And this is a, this is a pretty simple game. You know, we got we to gotta ease Neil into the whole improv world. So the way that this works is basically um, – you're going to ding a bell to switch the storytellers. He and I are going to be telling a story. And as I'm telling the story, you can ding the bell mid-sentence, and he's got to pick it up without any hesitation whatsoever. Oh, man. Continue. When, when does it end? Um, <clears throat> you decide. So we could go We could go for 45 minutes if you wanted to. Please don't. <laughs> just go for 45 so maybe, minutes. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll do a, uh, like a, a three-ring 
Yeah, kind of yeah, like just a, like a ding, ding, like a ding, ding. Bad guy in the wheelchair, like yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the whole stage <laughs> will explode, and that's how you know that it's over. Yeah. <laughs> and Gus walks out, half yeah, of, I mean, half of his face off. Yeah. <laughs> and then Rick wakes up from Walking Dead, and we find, we realize it was a dream. Inside and he, and he says, Caprio. Inside Inception. Inside oh, Inception. Oh, man, and he right never died in Titanic. Yeah, exactly. A game inside. A game inside. A game Titanic inside. Is a, a game. Something he's imagining on Shutter Island. Oh man, Jeez. I think we just started. I think right. Minds are being blown right now. <laughs> okay, so what I need from you two is uh, first of all, let's get a genre. What's a genre for a movie or a story? Sci-fi. Sci-fi, um, and now a title. A sci-fi That's story. Next specialty. Uh, man, put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, this is the only uh, improv you'll have to do. Man. Sorry. <laughs> I'm way better How when I'm by myself. Get, just think of do an ambiguous phrase. Ambiguous phrase. Actually, I kind of I, I kind of like uh, sorry, I'm As way better. Go. Sorry, I'm way better. <laughs> uh how, how about uh Lion Sahara? Lion Sahara. Lion Sahara. Okay. The All sci-fi. Right. The sci-fi movie called Lion Sahara. Okay, so we're going to decide who who should go first. You guys decide. Uh, Brian, you're, you're a, a veteran at the game, right? I, it's been a while. Do you want to start it out? I'll, old, I'll start it out. Okay. The old vet. <laughs> All right. Lions. What is it? Lion Sahara? Lion Sahara. Okay. So this is a... Like, is like a dishonest? I don't know. You guys... We don't, we don't you, know. You get to decide. All right. Oh, man. I'm also super rusty because we haven't really warmed up too much. So we'll see how this goes. All right. So this is a sci-fi movie called Lion Sahara. There was once a lion roaming the Sahara. He was a lonely lion, and he was looking for a friend. He found a mouse who was from Mars, <laughs> came to the world in a small spaceship built for small mouse aliens when he saw the lion. He couldn't believe that he saw the lion because in his world, lions weren't real. And in his world, lions were actually gods. So in his mind, he was seeing a god for the first time. He jumped out of his spaceship and he said a whole bunch of squeaking sounds because he's a mouse and he can't speak English. But then the lion looked at him and smiled. The lion said, Hello, Mr. Mouse from planet Mars. I'm the lion from the Sahara. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. You're, you're an alien. I don't know if I believe in aliens, but I know that I'm a lion and I like to play with mice because I'm a cat. <laughs> so the lion started playing with the mouse, which essentially was him batting the mouse around like a ball of yarn, like a cat. And the mouse was so excited because he thought that God was playing with him. And he didn't know what to do because it was kind of painful. <laughs> then another mouse from planet Mars comes with an, an incredible mutagen and the mouse turns into Master Splinter. And this is when Master Splinter, Master Splinter comes in hardcore after being almost eaten by the terrible lion. Well, maybe he's not a terrible lion. He's, he's almost a terrible lion. And he decides that Master Splinter is incredibly good at karate. The lion accidentally rolled in the same mutagen and suddenly he became a sentient being as well. And so the most epic karate battle of all time began to cross the Sahara between the mutant mouse and the mutant lion. And when they realize that, well, they can't, well, no one will ever accept them on the world that they, 
they live in now, they decided to become friends, and they went back to Mars together, where they found love at last on planet Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well, that was bonkers. (laughs) Hey, hey, uh, I would watch it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's your, you know, there's your next movie right there. Wow. Did you get that, Brian? I took all the notes. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mutant mice and I was visualizing it. I think stuff. What, like we said, we're already casting. So if you yeah. two would like to play the lion and the mouse. Boom. Yep. We have your headshot, Neil, now. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. That was our audition. For the I, part of the yeah. lion because of your mane. The, it, my mane. Yeah. I could, wow. I, could, I, could, I could be a mutagen lion. Yeah. I feel like I could play it well. <laughs> all right. So plug yourselves online. Where can we find you guys online? social media Nick. and whatnots uh well social media wise i'm actually off social media now so the only I noticed that yeah yeah that's amazing good for you Th- that Thank is you. amazing <laughs> i appreciate that uh so yeah you can just check out uh my work at uh nickdiller.com so latest work and stuff like that you can find it there nice i um am only really on instagram uh so that's just brian laws uh and then my uh, Vimeo page, which I have a trailer for Tempo, if anyone wants to watch that. Yours. And a trailer for uh, a film me and Nick did a couple years before, back called Home Again, is uh, if you just go to my site, it's brianlaws.co. It'll forward to the Vimeo um, page in the meantime. Nice. And then eventually I will have a site up. But for now, it just makes Yours. it easier to tell people that. Yep. Sweet. And giving them a Vimeo URL. So, And you guys can also check out the link to the preview for Tempo on our website at okishowshow.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at okishowshow, which we have posted right here Boom. on a piece of paper with gaff tape because we're classy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much it. Neil, where can we find you online? We can find me on Instagram at neilnewbie95, and I'm also on Facebook. Yes. yes. And that's it. We will see you guys in the next two weeks. Okay. Bye. See ya.